Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale, and in this week's episode, my guest is Adam from Sweet on Chocolate. I'm thrilled to have Adam on the podcast today. We've been chatting back and forth for what feels like the last year about him coming down to be a guest on the show and finally made it happen, and I'm thrilled about that. I love going into Sweet on Chocolate. It smells, first of all, amazing. And second of all, it's so cool to have a nostalgic business like that. I mean, it's a chocolate shop. And what feels more old school, nostalgic, like they get a pass out of the modern day world of needing to uh, be like hyped in your face all the time? They make chocolate. I mean, it's just, it's a great little store. I absolutely love it. They're on the Eat Local New York card. We're also going to be working with them for the food tours that we're getting ready to launch uh, at the end of this month. I have to say it's it's always exciting to start something new. Adam and I talk about it a little bit in the podcast, but I am definitely a person who excels at getting something started, and I don't do such a great job at keeping things going. Um, and I don't know if you're like that, but when it comes to entrepreneurial things or business or events or social media, or whatever the case is, I have zero problem coming up with what I think are really great ideas for a business or a project or an event or a social post or a piece of content, but it is very challenging for me to keep it going once it's started. And I don't know what that is. I think Part of me believes that it's just that's the that's who I am, and 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 instead of trying to be great, instead of trying to develop myself into being a person who can be around for the middle of things or excel at the middle of things, I think I need to just find people that uh, help me out, that become part of the team, surround myself with people who aren't great at starting something but are great at making sure that it happens. And that's it. That's just a little free piece of wisdom here, or free little piece of a question uh, here from Anthony Tringio. I'm sitting here in the studio. It's Saturday. It's Kentucky Derby Day, but it's also, really importantly, Crawfish Festival Day. It's the kickoff of festival season. I don't know if this is the official kickoff of festival season. I think it is. I think this is the first big event that happens in like the Syracuse area. But this is, let's assume it is, it's the kickoff of festival season here in downtown Syracuse. And we have the Battle of the Wings coming up May 19th and 20th at the Inner Harbor. I'm really looking forward to that, not only because my restaurant, Through and Fried, is going to be there, but also because Eat Local New York is going to be giving away the award for People's Choice. And so we're going to be set up with a booth. We're going to have tablets there so people can place their, cast their vote for who they think their favorite wing, wing, chicken wing vendor is for the event. And then whoever that winner is, we're going to be giving away the award for that and presenting them with a really cool belt that we're having made. So I'm really looking forward to this year's Wing Fest or Battle of the Wings. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you haven't heard about it, you can find more information on their Facebook page, but you can also stop into the Limp Lizard Barbecue in Syracuse on Onondaga Boulevard or to the Limp Lizard Barbecue and Through and Fried in North Syracuse. 
and buy your pre-sale tickets for 7 bucks, or they're $10 at the door for each day that you go. And I'm just really looking forward to it this year. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Well, I'm not going to waste any more time. I want to get into this conversation. So sit back, relax, enjoy my conversation with Adam from Sweet on Chocolate. The stuff that we do at Three One Fried, I don't. There's nothing that I would want to keep secret. I mean, there's nothing like that I've spent. I mean, we've spent a lot of time trying to figure out the recipes and how to do it, and we still have a long way to go. But to get like a great sandwich, but there isn't anything in there that I would hesitate to tell someone what's in it. If nope. anything, it would I would hesitate to tell them how simple. Like, oh, we don't make that, right? You know, uh, no secret sauce. Yeah. You know, no right. extra little cayenne in the in the in the wonder sauce that mm. you're smearing on the bun. You mm. know, yeah. I like uh, a, a lot of places don't like to say that they use MSG. I love to say that we use MSG in our stuff. Okay, it makes it so much better. Sure, so. sure. There, I mean, there was this like there's this big stigma with MSG, right? Um, and for decades, people were like, no, 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 mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Even me back in the good old days at this Mexican restaurant I was um, cooking at. Uh, we got a case of MSG mm. delivered. I didn't order it, mm-hmm. but the owner brought it in, and I was like, "What is this? <laughs> Get this out of my kitchen! I don't want this." Yeah, you know. And uh, so we had to have a discussion about that. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 interesting to kind of see it like work its way, um, like back into the food scene a little bit. Yeah, it's like because uh, now I think people are realizing how much of the foods that they love, especially when it comes to, like fast food, like Chick Fil A. I love Chick Fil A. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, hate their approach to other things, but I love their food. <laughs> and, uh, but one of the reasons why I love it so much is because they have figured out the perfect balance of MSG in their chicken. And so that's why it's like so incredibly craveable. Sure. Um, and yeah, there was like a big run on, you know, Asian restaurants because, you know, they were the, they were the killing so many Americans with their MSG usage. Oh, man. I mean, they're the Which flavors in... All, you know, all throughout Asia, there is something so special about those flavors, um, and I just don't know what it is. And maybe yeah. it's just the MSG. But like, man, when you are craving yeah. like Chinese or Thai mm-hmm. or anything like that, it is like, and you can't satisfy it until you get a huge giant bowl of something in front of you. Right. I wonder if restaurants in China, like authentic, real Chinese restaurants, use MSG, or if that's more of like Chinese American restaurant thing. That's a great question. Mm, I never thought about that before. Wait, I found this authentic, I think it's authentic, Chinese restaurant down on East Fayette. Uh-huh. And, uh, or is it West Fayette down there? It's over by Buried Acorn and all that. There's oh, yeah, yeah, Acorn. yeah. And it's called Old Chang Cafe, Old Changdong Cafe or something <coughs> like that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, I'm the only white person I've ever seen in there. Yeah. There's only one employee that can somewhat speak English, so he's always our waiter. And um, <clears throat> and he's great, and he always like kind of walks me through the menu. But they have, and it's absolutely delicious, uh, pork intestine on the menu, and it is one of the best things I've ever had before. That's amazing, and I think that's so great. And kudos to you for going. I'm assuming this place isn't like, yeah, they're not sh- smeared all over Instagram. No, they have. They probably have. They are just a hole in the wall. Yes, 
and I think some of your best food mm-hmm. out there, and probably the majority of the really good food out there is not coming out of five-star kitchens. Right. They're coming out of mom-and-pop shops, the old recipes, mm-hmm. you know, the way that it's done back in, in, in the homeland, you know? Yeah. And, mm. you know, I think that if you were to put that, what was it, pig intestine? Yeah, pig intestine. If you put pig intestine on a menu anywhere else and served it up just like that and maybe just didn't call it yeah. pig intestine, <laughs> right. people would... Yeah eat it and go, holy crap, that was so good. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect when I ordered it. I didn't know how it would be presented, but it's just like thinly sliced. And so you can see it's like a tube, you know, but it's like thinly sliced. And they serve it in this dish that has a candle underneath that they light at the table. And the purpose is to try and keep it hot and crispy because as soon as it gets like room temperature, it gets soggy and it gets really just gross at that point but when it's first served it's absolutely it's like crispy does it have like a is it like a fry does it have like a coating to I'm, it uh i did not too much of a coating that i could see but it's definitely fried it's fried, know, fried okay. dish yeah. yeah okay yeah interesting because so. i know a lot of times they don't use like a traditional like uh, uh batter or breading mm-hmm. um asian style cuisine maybe, maybe they just use a little corn starchy kind of thing yeah um so i don't know if they if they did anything like that Uh, But that's so interesting. Yeah, it was really good. What a service. That's wild. Yeah. This week's episode of the Eat Local New York podcast is sponsored by our friends over at Brown Carbonic. Their tagline is, they put the fizz in your biz. And really, truer words have not been spoken. Uh, Brown Carbonic is a great local family-owned and operated business here in Syracuse, operating for decades, serving our food service community and offering so many things that restaurants and hotels and bars and food service operations need. Um, Really specifically to mention, if you're looking to get the nitrogen and the CO2 that you need for your draft beer systems, then they're the company to call. But I know so many friends and colleagues and fellow restaurant owners that use Brown Carbonic for their craft sodas and beverages. Again, we talk about supporting local as much as possible, and it shouldn't be support. We talk about doing business with as many local companies as you possibly can. So if you're a restaurant owner, bar manager, chef, whatever it is, and your place of business uses the two, one of the two big national company, global companies for your sodas, stop using them and use Brown Carbonic. You can reach them on the phone at 315-454-3591. Again, that's 315-454-3591. Reach out to Brown Carbonic. Tell them that you want to work with them and make sure to say that you heard about them right here on the Eat Local New York podcast. Now let's get back into this week's episode. It's my conversation with Adam from Sweet on Chocolate. So what's your, I mean, history with food? I mean, you were t- you just referenced you used to cook in a Mexican restaurant and yeah. something about pickles. So yes. What did you do before chocolate? It's a little wacky. Um, it's been a fun journey in each, each like place I've been at, each job, each, you know, step in my life was this kind of like stepping stone across the, the river to where maybe I am today. Maybe I'm still in the middle of the river. I'm still <laughs> stepping, I guess, uh, looking for that next rock. But, um... Basically, out of college, mm-hmm. I did not have like a career path. Okay. And, but I always had this passion for food and flavor and cooking. Food has this way of uniting people and these mm-hmm. flavors stick with you. There is just something so special about flavors and what they conjure up in your brain and in your memories. 
there aren't many things like that, I don't mm-hmm. think. So to be able to have this connection with food and be able to offer it to somebody and make them really happy about it, that makes me super happy too. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> out of college, I'm looking for a job. I'm like, let's just land like some sort of restaurant job um, for the summer, buy myself a little bit of time, make some money, all that yeah. jazz. So I started at this Mexican restaurant mm-hmm. and uh, out in Cicero. And it was... Um, like I was there, part of the staff to like open up this this okay. new. It was this. It was a sister restaurant of another uh, Mexican restaurant that used to be downtown. Okay. No longer there. Nonetheless, um, what year was that? That was in. I mean, I ooh, I graduated in 2011, so this was okay. like summer of 2011. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, uh, open that restaurant. I'm I'm like the guy rolling burritos. Like, hey, would you want white brown or Spanish rice? Do you want black or pinto beans? I'm that guy. Um, you know, ro- basically rolling burritos, mm-hmm. frying tortilla chips, all that stuff. Go through about a dozen different chefs in the kitchen, mm-hmm. and then I finally go to the owner and say, hey, I'd like to give this a try. You know, I've, I've seen it done. I've been there for like two years at that point. Like, okay. let's give it. Can I give it a shot? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he said, sure. So. Became, I guess, what you would consider like the head chef of that restaurant in the back, um, Hmm. you know, breaking down cases of chicken, dicing tomatoes, making all the guac and all that stuff. And it was really awesome. I really enjoyed it. Um, So I did that for about two years and was like the chef and general manager of the restaurant. And and then I left that job to pursue something else that was a little closer to home, maybe a little bit more money because I was driving out to Cicero every day. Mm -hmm. And that didn't work out. It was kind of like one of those that wasn't. Um, it wasn't as advertised. Gotcha. So quick jump out of there to my brother-in-law's deli, brother-in-law's family's deli, Mm -hmm. downtown Syracuse. Mm -hmm. Um, High volume, almost like cafeteria style, but we made everything there, Mm. um, like to order. It was really great. Soups, sandwiches, um, you know, paninis, there was a special every day, you know, cause I was like the guy in the back working the flat top okay, or the guy on the panini press. Um, and, uh, we made the soups homemade every day. So I was in charge of the vegetarian soup. It was awesome. I love that. What place was that? It was called today's special, okay. which up until very recently, yeah. uh, was, uh, was definitely rocking it. And, uh, and, and kudos to the new place stories as well. Yeah. Um, I hope is they're they, doing well. Is that the one that shut down that was over, were they on Water Street? Uh, no, yes, they're fronted okay. on Water Street. Okay. Technically, it's their mailing address is Warren Street. But, gotcha. Okay. You know, at the corner of Water and Warren, right in the State Tower building. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I was there for uh, uh, five, six years or so, but also at the same time, I was um, catering weddings and um, big events out at the Links at Erie Village. Okay. That's my brother-in-law's family's business. Gotcha. I hope. It's okay. I talk about this, Greg. Um, <laughs> and so we're out there doing that. Um, we did all sorts of crazy things like catered weddings offsite, built kitchens in people's mm. garages and loading docks and did mm. huge parties. It was wild. It was fun and a lot of work. And at the same time I was doing that, I was using the deli space because they weren't open on Saturdays and Sundays. I started this idea, like maybe I'll start making pickles. Hmm. I love pickles. And yeah. I never had pickles that I thought were like as good as they could be. So mm-hmm. Saturdays would be my pickle day. I would go make pickles hmm. and I would do cucumbers. I would do carrots. I would do beets. Hmm. I do little pickle veggies. And that started like this kind of entrepreneurial, hmm. you know, spirit in me. It got this ball rolling. And I supplied pickles to some different 
uh, delis and bars and sold them wholesale in jars to different like farm stands and markets and things like that. So that was really cool. So that got that kind of going. Was that like a legit business? Like, you know, all that kind of stuff? Or was it just uh, like something you did on the side? It was like a side hustle, but it got to the point where it was becoming a legit business, legit enough to consider making that a career. Yeah. And I was Mm. in the middle of this like, um, internal kind of discussion about like, okay, do I want to be like in a kitchen Mm -hmm. cooking like as a career for a very long time, for decades to come? Do I want to like make that leap and investment into pickles? That's a big, that's a big leap. Um, you know, or do I look for something else, Mm -hmm. you know, at the same time I was approached by a third party, so this is rather fortuitous. Uh, a third party approaches me and says, "Hey, there's a chocolate shop that's for sale. Hmm. Are you interested in this?" Hmm. And this was an opportunity that combined a lot of the a lot of the things that I loved: food, flavor, those like core memories, um, with a product that always makes people feel good, hmm. and this entrepreneurial spirit that I now kind of had, and. It wasn't an immediate yes. I had to talk about it and really think about it, but mm-hmm. it turned out to be a yes, mm-hmm. and it turned out to be a pretty good decision, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. So how long have you had Sweet on Chocolate? The business, I've owned the business in September of 2018, so we're okay. coming up on our fifth year, so about four and a half years or so. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. It's a wild ride. <laughs> if you asked me five years ago, uh-huh. would I own a chocolate shop and be working with chocolate every day? Yeah. The answer would m- m- undoubtedly be no, probably not. <laughs> uh, it, but it, it, it's, I guess it's one of those things you don't know until you do it. So mm-hmm. it's maybe a little bit of a, a, a lesson in like stepping out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But it still had all those um, characteristics that I enjoyed. So it mm-hmm. wasn't like completely outside my wheelhouse. It was just a different product. And I think mm-hmm. that if you can cook and have some kitchen skills. Mm. Like I think you can make chocolate too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a big step. Yeah. Uh as far as like uh as far as um just like technique and know how. There were some mm. things you had to learn. Yeah. But for the most part, if you treat it right, chocolate's pretty it can be your friend. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the, I'd imagine the hardest part was probably figuring out like the tempering, right? Because uh, there's a lot of like cloudy chocolate that you see from people who are just getting into it. Yeah. Uh, tempering is the biggest thing. If you don't temper your chocolate property, properly, you're going to have cloudy, bloomy chocolate. It's mm-hmm. going to have like a different texture. It's not going to have a shine. It's not going to snap nicely. Mm-hmm. It's not going to release from the molds. It's going to be a nightmare depending on what you do with it, what your yeah. application is. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's that was that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing. You know, I can teach you how to smear chocolate around. Like that's easy, (laughs) but the tempering, it does take a little bit of knowledge and know-how, but it's honestly, I mean, a couple days, all Mm. you gotta do is remember some temperatures Mm. and then we have big tempering machines that kind of, you know, more or less do the work for you. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's wild. I was like, uh, I've I've spent a little time, a day or two with Tyler before and like kind of seeing the process and it's just, it's insane. He does. Yeah. He does like, Oh, uh, a much different, um, style. He's much more bean to bar. And I give him a lot of credit for that. Cause that takes a lot of work. You got to 
sort the beans, you got to roast the beans and you got to grind yeah. the beans and then you got to do this and that. And then, uh, and then you got to temper this finished product, which yeah. I'm not sure exactly how he does. If he does it like table tempering, if he does it uh, another way. Hmm. Yeah, it's wild. But what <clears> they <throat> do is, uh, is really, really, really cool. And uh, I give them a lot of credit for that. It seems like such an extraordinary amount of work for such a small, valued product. You know, like I think of like a turtle, you know, for example, like all this effort goes into making one turtle. And yeah. uh, and and something that not a lot of people do. And it's a, a dollar or a dollar, you know, whatever it is. Right. right. So um, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could get like, kudos to you for being able to do that because, you know, like I look at stuff and I'm like, you know, and I'm just, uh, the dollar amount always like frustrates me. Sure. I think that's, that's been a hard thing for me going from, uh, for with marketing to like through and fried is you're going from, you know, making a video for somebody or, you know, handling their social media to then selling a $15 sandwich. And it's like, Oh man, I have to sell so many of those sandwiches yeah. in order to make money. It's volume, right? It's all about volume. The turtle that you say that you referenced, we make it in four like four steps. Mm -hmm. You lay your chocolate down, you lay your nuts down, you lay your caramel down, then you put the chocolate like a we I call it the shell, the, okay. the top layer of chocolate on there. There are different ways of doing it, and every chocolate shop does it maybe a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. But uh, our way is a little bit unique. It feels a little bit more handcrafted to me. But one turtle. Mm -hmm. I mean, you gotta sell <laughs> a lot of turtles, so we make big yeah. batches of them, and yeah. it's 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 all about volume. You can't yeah. thrive on one chicken sandwich a day. You need to be pumping out right. two hundred of them yeah. or three hundred of them. You know what I mean? So it's uh it's about volume, and the way our business has grown over these past four and a half years has been so incredible. Mm. Um, so the volume is there. Yeah. So so you get approached to purchase the chocolate shop and you know you kind of go through and weigh the options and you decide to do it so what's the next step from there did you i mean did you have to go to did you go through like a training class was the current owner kind of help you i mean how did that work yeah so the um the uh the chocolatier from the previous owner uh had been working there for many 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 years decades even okay. and um she stayed on she wanted to stay on and uh so with some instruction from her, I kind of learned that process. Okay. Um, and then kind of took it from there. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I honestly didn't even know that there was a chocolate shop there before you, you know, that it had existed. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and, I mean, what's it feel like to be the only chocolate shop in Syracuse? Because, I mean, definitely, obviously in downtown you are, but yeah. uh, soon to be the only chocolate shop really in the area, right? Hey, I want to take a quick moment and remind you about the Eat Local New York cards. A great way to get out there and save $5 at over 150 locally owned restaurants all around New York State. As a matter of fact, we were just out in Rochester this past week, and I'm thrilled to announce that our friends over at the Classic have joined the Eat Local New York card. That's right. If you're familiar with Rochester, you probably know the cafe and hot lunch spot, amongst other things, but the popular cafe, the Rome. And they're right on Park Ave. Well, right across the street, the same owners opened up the Classic not too long ago. And so we're thrilled that they have joined the Eat Local New York card. That means you can go out there and save $5 when you spend $25 or more and just show your Eat Local New York card or your Eat Local New York app. So make sure you head over to our website at eatlocalnewyork.com and pick up your card today. 
And now back to the episode. Yeah, that was the um, that was one of the big selling points. Mm-hmm. Is that you know there were discussions of turning that space into more foodie food, mm-hmm. um, another like deli concept or like lunchy mm-hmm. kind of thing. Because um, also at that time in 2018 and 2019. There were more people working downtown, yeah. uh, tons of people living downtown, uh, which still plenty of people are living downtown. But the pandemic kind of messed everything up mm-hmm. uh, for that. But um, I kind of thought to myself, geez, why would I do that when there's a deli on every corner Yeah, when I could be the only chocolate shop in mm-hmm. downtown? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, it feels, it feels, it feels good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like I'm trying to... <laughs> get rid of competition and like, (laughs) like buy them all up or like, you know, chew them up and spit them out. But it's, um, but I just, I kind of just in, in that sense, I just kind of just keep my head down and try to make the best product that I can Mm -hmm. and offer it at a really good value. And I think that's what we have going. We have a really good product. It's not necessarily the cheapest chocolate you can find, Mm -hmm. but I think you have this like, um, graph, Mm-hmm. Where you have quality and you have price, and I think we're kind of in this intersection point where you just get really, really good yeah. value—a handmade product that tastes really good. Yeah, it's interesting, like kind of that space. I think of like you know, Mr. Beast and coming out with Beast Burger or not Beast Burger with uh, Beastables, I think it's called. Yeah, you know, his chocolate bar company. <laughs> yeah, and then going after like the big, you know, Hershey's and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and talking about all the stuff that's in their product. So. Uh, maybe chocolate is going to ha- have a resurgence of its day. I'm hoping. I mean, we're, we're, we're like I said, we're gro- a growing business, and we're always trying to, like, think of the next thing. We've got some exciting things coming up. We just got mm. a super special package delivered yesterday, so it's going to take some learning and <laughs> some um, some experimenting with mm. that. Uh, it's, I don't know if I can tell you. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. I can tell you. Maybe yeah, I should. Yeah, maybe you should. Talk All right, we're going to break it. We're going to break it uh, live on the podcast. Um, <laughs> but we just got this edible food printer. Oh, cool. So we can do um, uh, favors with, like, custom logos. Oh, that's cool. um, You know, things like we print on Oreos with your wedding date or oh, nice. your company's logo. Whereas in the past, we would have to go get a custom mold made mm. and then make the chocolate like that. This is going to be able mm. to do full color and things like that. So uh, we just got that delivered yesterday, right in time for um, f- like wedding favor season, things yeah. like that. So we're, we're excited. I'm that's excited awesome. about that. Yeah, that's one of the next big steps. But other things that I'd like to do, I'd like to experiment with, um, you know, roasting and making our own. Chocolate, like in house, mm-hmm. yeah, um, kind of like what you were talking about with Tyler and nostalgia, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, some uh, a lot of possibilities out there, and I think yeah. we have the room to wiggle and extend and contract if needed. But I feel I feel like we're in a good spot to be able to make some moves. Yeah, what's yeah. your so? What is your view as like a business owner? Are you the type who you're constantly looking for? like the next thing to do in the next area to grow or you do you find yourself like more content with kind of like, okay, we're in this season now and let's just kind of live here. Yeah. This might be a frustrating answer, but (laughs) I find myself like in this happy medium of, of both. Okay. I understand that if you don't take that next step and don't reach and try something new, Mm -hmm. um, you get complacent 
your product or, or shop feels stagnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not what I want. Mm-hmm. But I'm also very cautious in how I make these moves because I always have a fear of overextending. Yeah. And I feel like you see it, you know, maybe not a lot, but you see it where people try and do too much and then it doesn't always work out nicely. And I just have a maybe inherent inherent fear of failure. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, cautiously kind of letting things come to me. And when that moment is right, Mm -hmm. then I'm ready to make the move. I, I, I... conceptualize things in my brain for like a really long time Mm. before I even think about taking action. Mm. And it's just kind of visualizing the process and and how things could go wrong and what could go wrong and how it could go right, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm. Um, But at the same time, I've worked really hard over these four and a half years. And I don't want to say that we're or that I'm comfortable with where the business is at right now, but I feel like I can like take my foot off the gas a little bit. Maybe not mm-hmm. truly coast, but just like enjoy a little bit of like this plateau. Just yeah. a little bit of like not grinding as much mm-hmm. and not constantly thinking about the next thing. Cause that does wear on you. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of in this happy medium where I'm, the the shop is doing well enough where I can just kind of be like, all right, let's let's just back off for a minute and really think about the future, mm-hmm. and I don't need to rush into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. That might be that. Yeah, that might be how I feel. Have you always been that way? Like that had that approach even when you were doing pickles or other things, or were, was there ever a time where it was just like constantly grind, grind, grind? Like or not grind, 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 but was it always constantly like? come up with something new, something exciting. Yeah. Because I, I struggle with that. Yeah. I struggle with, um, I, I love the process of like figuring something out or having an idea and then figuring out how to do it and what it's going to look like and then doing it and mm-hmm. then immediately I'm done with it. I've always used the analogy if, if, if you look at a campfire, like uh, I can get a fire started, maintaining it, I suck at. Um, and so, and I understand that about myself. I still haven't figured out how to how to best use that to my to my financial gain. But yeah. I understand. I do understand that about myself. So we'll come out with maybe it's a new style of a video, whatever the case is. And after we do like four or five of them, I'm like, okay, that's boring. What's next? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's the nature of how fast things move nowadays. Like, if mm-hmm. you're not doing something new, you almost feel like you're behind, mm-hmm. and the constant like crave of, of innovation is like always there, I guess. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I wonder if it's just something that has been instilled in me over the years where it's like, maybe it was because I didn't have a direction and I needed to let things kind of fall into place first. Like Mm -hmm. back when I was just finished up college and I didn't know where to go. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's like this caution and kind of letting things come to you when the time is right, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Maybe that has just been subconsciously ingrained in me. Like maybe this podcast is more of a therapy session for me <laughs> right now than anything else. I have found that those like that, that is true in some cases. Yeah, sure. And then there's other, there's other times where like I have, um, I really enjoy doing the podcast for that reason. And because it, it helps, like we've had some older restaurant owners on and it's a lot of fun for me to go through their detailed family and business history 
because I think of like their family. Like, we're not, you know, it's not like we're talking with. Uh, I think you're a great person, a celebrity in your own right, but we're not talking to Brad Pitt <laughs> or you know, or Jennifer Aniston on these podcasts. So it's not like I was mentioned though in the same podcast as Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston. So that's pretty cool. Oh yeah. Oh no, yeah, from you. So I don't know. I'm in good company. <laughs> uh, but it's not like our guests have years of interviews or things where they've sat down in a situation like this and just spoken yeah you know for an hour hour and a half and um and so i think about that sometimes because i'm like uh like we had um uh the owner from panchitos on and it was really interesting to me to sit there and try and dig through his history because i'm thinking like one day your family is going to have this interview to like go back and kind of listen to and be able to like kind of have that history of your family and how you got the business started and your motivation for it and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I mean, I find, I mean, we were just doing a couple podcasts the other day with uh, Jamie from Wiley Fox. And then we had Casey from uh, the, you know, Fruit of the Fungi or New York Mushroom Company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And both of them, wildly different podcasts than I thought we were going to have going into them. And both of them, I left thinking completely differently about things and myself than when I walked in. Interesting. So I think that, I mean, it's a lot of fun to sit down and just, you know, have a un, an uninterrupted conversation with somebody where you're trying to, uh, trying to be honest, but also kind of put your best foot forward a little bit. I agree. Yeah. I agree. That's a really good attitude to have. Yeah. Uh, Something that we don't do as much today as maybe they did in the past to sit mm -hmm. down and have a conversation. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. You know, yeah. Uh, the Gone are the days, it seems, of going out to breakfast with someone and having a cup of coffee and just discussing yeah. things. That'd be a really great content series. <laughs> um, uh, but like I just like yesterday, like we, we were walking here and you know, you came out of your business to, you know, took a break to come out and yeah. chat with us for a little bit. And even then I'm like eating lunch as I'm like, okay, we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Sorry to hold you guys up. You're doing no, a walking lunch. Yeah. No, no, but I'm just saying like, you know, we don't really, you're right. We don't pause for those kind of things anymore. I think that's kind of businesses like Sweet on Chocolate uh, kind of help and help in that help to, it's like a nostalgic thing. It's, you know, it's chocolate. I mean, how often do people, I mean, hopefully a lot, very often for yourself, but how often do people go into a chocolate shop, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like find this like really like handcrafted, curated box of chocolates that they're going to purchase and give to somebody, Yeah. you know? I mean, we even have found a way to uh, put those in Walgreens, you know? Right. So. We, um, whenever someone from the staff travels... Mm -hmm. they find a local chocolate shop. They bring some chocolate back. Oh, nice. And I've done that many times as well. And what you see in a lot of chocolate shops compared to ours is a product that is like wholesale, like already like mm. they're buying wholesale and reselling. Yeah. So it's made somewhere in a factory and they're not making it there. Yeah. And number one, that's a little sad. <clears throat> is there is, is the chocolate fine and delicious? Oh, Sure. Right. But you lose this handcrafted artisan kind of feel. Yeah. It already feels manufactured mm -hmm. right off the bat. And number two, one of the things we hear all the time from people, from customers, is that our variety is so big. Yeah, it is. Uh, which I think is really great. Everyone has like different mm. tastes yeah. and different taste buds, and they're happy 
with sweet and salty versus fruity and some people like whatever. Hmm. And we're happy to provide a little bit of everything for every kind of chocolate lover. Yeah. Um, but so that sets us apart, I think, from a lot of chocolate shops, but also just like the atmosphere. I think mm -hmm. I want it to come in and I want you to come in and feel like um, you're in like a really safe spot. Like, let's chat about your day. Are mm -hmm. you having a good day? Yes, here's some chocolate. Let's make it better. <laughs> no? Well, let's see if we can turn that around kind of thing. Um, it's fun. We have so many regulars. We mm -hmm. have so many customers that we know by name. We have so many repeat clientele. And I just think that's a a true testament to not only the quality of the product, but the atmosphere in and of itself. Yeah, that's really cool. Hmm. So uh, do you miss pickles? I do. And you know what? <laughs> I get people frequently, not so much as the time has gone by, but I still get people that come in and talk about pickles or really? ask me about pickles. Huh. Yep. Yep. That's wild. It is. It, I was like known as a pickle guy for a while. Huh. And... Um, and also, we're working downtown for so long, um, yeah. not just with the shop, but with the deli, too. There's mm -hmm. a lot of crossover in clientele, so I get a lot of deli customers that come in, um, and that deli served my pickles, and I sold them out of the deli, too. Mm. And so I get a lot of pickles. And I have a garden at home, too, <laughs> so I make pickles every year oh, nice. in the uh, summer, not really to sell, mostly for my own consumption. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> it's fun. I always say that if you know the dream is still alive. It's not dead. Right. Maybe someday I'll have a mixed use space that yeah. is uh, chocolate and pickles, and it'll be like a unique. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. It'd be the only chocolate and pickles place on earth, maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. The original. Um. Yeah, that's wild. So where did you go? Did you grow up around here? Yeah, Westside Camillus. Okay. Grew up in Camillus, actually, almost Warner's, if you will. But um. Where'd you go to high school? West Jenny. Oh, okay. Yeah. I went to West Hill. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, all my cousins went to West Hill. Oh, really? Not all of them, but most of them. Most of them, yeah. yeah. That one side of the family, all West Hillians. Um, so, yeah, grew up in Camillus, and I went to Binghamton for college, so haven't okay. uh, haven't gone too far. Yeah. You know? What did you go to school for? Forest ecology. Really? Yeah. Okay. I can identify all the trees. Yeah. Yep, and talk about uh, the interwoven lives of all the flora and fauna <laughs> in wetlands, uplands, you just didn't lowlands. Wanna, you didn't want to do that after school? I wanted to. I almost became a forest. I took the forest ranger test oh, wow. um, and did well enough to get an invitation to the academy. But um, hmm. just some things in my life would not really... Yeah. I don't want to say allow that because it makes it like seem like I was like, oh, no, yeah. I have to go, but something's holding me back. But it just – I had other things going on, and it just wasn't going to work. Yeah. So that um, that was one thing that I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, that would have been like a different in, – in a different universe somewhere, there's like a forest ranger Adam out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, other than that, I didn't really quite else know. I mean, with a degree in forest ecology, what do, what do you, you do? do? Yeah, I have a th my, my degree is in theology, so ask me the same question. What do you do? What do you do? Yeah. You sit down this. and you have conversations <laughs> yeah, with people, right, yeah. these near, nearly existential conversations with people. Yeah. 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 So that's not bad. No, it's not. It's, it's, uh, it's sort of close. Sort of close. Yeah. Yeah. I just got to find a way to do this is the only thing that I do for a living is just have these conversations and, you know, that'd be great. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, how has, I mean, you've been there for, you know, four and a half years and, you know, a lot has changed, you know, obviously because of COVID and all that kind of stuff. But 
What are some of the changes that you've seen in like downtown over those last four and a half years? Yes, I mean, uh, just in the four years, uh, we had pre-pandemic, we had present pandemic, and now we kind of have this post-pandemic all in a rather short span of time. And um, we saw, well, first, a lot more people working downtown, a lot yeah. more lunch break kind of people coming down, doing their thing. But also, you have to remember, I have to remember, I'm not telling you this, <laughs> Adam, you have to remember that it was a different business back then. Mm-hmm. It was in this transitional phase from previous owner to me, mm-hmm. where, mm-hmm. like you mentioned not so long ago, you had never even known Sweet on Chocolate existed. Yeah. But this business has been around since 1993. Wow. So that's bananas right there. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't a lot of advertising. There wasn't a lot of new, exciting, let's make this like the f- most excellent chocolate shop it could be. Yeah. There was a plan, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what is, that was another big selling point is that, you know, there's a good foundation. This place has been around for a long, long, long time. Yeah. I can really take it to the next level, hmm. I think. So that's kind of part of that uh, too. But yeah, so we're, we're a growing business, like rather rapidly um, after the takeover, the takeover, after I bought the business. <laughs> um, so yes, more people working downtown, mm-hmm. but also we were growing and getting more first-time customers in, mm-hmm. not just repeat downtowners. Yeah. And then the pandemic yeah. We started shipping. We started okay. doing things like that, which was really, really, really important. Online sales. Yeah. Um, and once things kind of sort of returned to normal, mm-hmm. um, the shipping has still been very good, very strong. That's cool. Uh, yeah. It's it's nice that we can do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And um, but now we're kind of seeing, uh, hopefully, like this revitalization of downtown. We've got more people living downtown than ever before. Yeah. And you've seen this transition from people, not so many people living downtown, but coming into the city to work. Mm-hmm. And now we have more people living downtown, not as many people working in an office. Yeah. But those people who live downtown, their home is their office, their apartment is their office. So it's like, mm. it's had this weird like balancing effect. Mm. I don't really understand Yeah. that as well, but yeah. 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 It's really going to be interesting. I mean, I, I know like, you know, there's the, everybody was sharing the article about one of the main cities that Gen Zers are moving to in America, which I don't think that's, I don't think that's true. I think that's just one of those like, you know, USA Today articles. Sure. Uh, Cause I cannot fathom why uh, Syracuse would be in that top 10 list. But, um, but maybe it's true. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, there has been a lot of, it feels like there's been a lot of growth. I mean, we were, we were <clears throat> one of the only counties from the last census, I think, or states that had, uh, per, like population growth. Yeah. Um, not states. I think we were one of the only counties in the state that had population growth. Oh, cool. Or one of the few. Um, so yeah, definitely. I think Syracuse is changing. There's building so many. I mean, you drive down Fayette over by XO and all those places, yep. and there's like three new apartment buildings that are being built. Yeah. And very quickly as well. So, it's major. Yeah. And this whole Micron thing. Yeah. I mean, I just think. What is this place going to look like yeah. in five years, in right. seven years, in 10 years? Is it going to be like, it's not going to be the same Syracuse, I don't think. No. And is that, a, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Like people have their camps on that. But between 
81 and Micron, Mm -hmm. it's just, we're going to be living in like a different city. Yeah, for sure. Which is going to be interesting to kind of navigate that. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be really wild. Yeah. I don't know. My wife and I are talking about trying to move uh, completely out of here and get up to the country. And uh, she's from Boonville originally. Boonville. So, yeah. What direction is that? Uh, go to Rome and then go north. Okay. Basically. Uh, so northeast a little bit. But it's an hour and a half. It's the middle of nowhere. Is it in the Adirondack Park? It's the bottom of the Ad. It's like the base of the Adirondacks. But you're in the you're within the blue line. You're within the I park. Believe, yeah. Cool. So yeah, it's really cool. Um, it's a it's a it's a really actually Nicole knows we were just up there uh, not too long ago. There's um, you'll drive past like this one like home that looks like it's out of uh, Millionaire Log Cabins uh, magazine, and yeah. then you'll drive past a shack that's made out of plywood. Right. Uh, it's it's really it's kind of a wild little area, um, but there's just so much nature. It's so much slower, uh, and so and then her her sister. Uh, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law live up there, and they have three kids that are four and two. So, and we just had our first son six uh-huh. months ago. So we're thinking it's like, and then all my siblings live out of state. So it's like, maybe we should move up there. Doesn't sound like such a bad idea. It doesn't sound like such a bad idea. Um, right? Yeah. Having having you hear driven, that, honey? Adam just agreed with no, me. No, uh, no. I'm th- that was more like a um, a rhetorical kind of just like omniscient <laughs> voice, um, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, having driven to like through different parts of the Adirondacks for a very long time, mm-hmm. um, it's uh, it's wild. Just like you mentioned, this kind of like people who have their second home, yeah, or you, maybe retired and built a nice little place away, versus the people who live there all the time. Kind of, yeah. In less than ideal circumstances, you see the sometimes the disrepair, and I always just wonder. How far do you have to drive to get gas? Mm-hmm. Do you have to go get gas when you have three quarters of a tank left? Yeah. And also, where the heck do you get your groceries? Right. Where is the nearest grocery store? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know these things. I live, I can honestly <laughs> run to Wegmans as fast as I can drive. Okay. And I'm at Wegmans like two or three times a week. Yeah. And I mean, also, I'm in a different circumstance yeah. than, um, than the people that live out there in like Route 3. Do you have kids? I do have a son. He's okay. he's he'll be three in May. Oh wow! Um, but yeah, I just wonder, man, where, how long is the school bus ride? Yeah, and where do you get your groceries? Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, for sure. I mean, luckily Boonville has a couple things because there's a little bit of a town there. Sure. But uh, I don't know. There was a time way back in the day. Uh, my family used to have a house, uh, a summer place in Skinny Atlas, mm-hmm. and there was this once. And at the time, I worked at Metro Mattress, and the Sleep Superstore. That's exciting. Yeah. Man, I want to hear all about that. Maybe that's another podcast, but yeah. I don't know. I was in the mattress industry and furniture industry for like 12 years. Whoa. Yeah. Um, but so I was working at Metro Mattress, and I got took a transfer to their Auburn store. And so for like the, the entire summer, but for one month, I lived out there by myself. The family hadn't come out, hadn't, you know, gone out there yet. And so... It was great. I mean, the grocery store, you know, we were 35 minute drive, which isn't crazy, but still 35 minutes into the village. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so you couldn't just pop in anywhere quickly, relatively quickly. Um, I absolutely loved it. I used to wake up every morning. Yeah, that's back when I smoked cigarettes. And I used to wake up every morning, have a cigarette and a cup of coffee, and go <laughs> fishing before work. Oh, my God. 
Um, I watched, I watched, I was upset. I used to be really obsessed with movies and shows. So if I found a movie that I liked, I would watch it every day. Like literally, I would just have it on. And um, and so I did, it was Dan in Real Life at the time. Oh, was okay. Movie, which is a great movie. I have not seen it, but I've heard wonderful things. People uh, really like that movie. Yeah. And so I we would watch that every day. Oh, my gosh. And uh, it was just, it was a wonderful time out there. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Uh, maybe that's what Boonville will be like. That's, a, that's like a solid morning routine. Yeah. Yeah. Cigarette, coffee, fish. My gosh, that is wild. You know, we, this is a, uh, this is totally off top. Well, not really, but we went to Germany. We had the opportunity to go to Germany during Oktoberfest Hmm. and we got into the airport. It was like an overnight flight. It was four in the morning, Eastern Hmm. Standard Time, but it's like whatever time over there. And on the menu of the airport for one euro was a piece of bread and a cigarette. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like, that is the most European that thing. That is amazing. That is the most European thing. Like, why they didn't have coffee on there, I'm not sure. But for one euro, you could sit at the airport and get a cigarette, like, delivered to you by, like, a waiter. Did you do it? No, I did not. I was with my I was with my in-laws. They would have, like, judged me super hard. Had I been by myself, oh, my goodness, yes. I mean, what what kind of way to uh, – Yeah. Uh, no better way to kick off. Uh, right. That's amazing. A European jaunt. This is also off topic, but sort of. I think I, I want to say I told Abigail the story on the podcast, but like years ago, not too long, but maybe three, four years ago, I woke up, I had this dream one night, and I woke up from this dream with this, like, just, I don't, I'm sure you've had dreams like this before, where like you wake up, and it's like, I have to now do this. Uh-huh. And for me, it was, I had to get to Hamburg, Germany. I have zero clue why. Um, never had a desire or anything like that to ever go to, this does not have a fun, a good ending, uh, (laughs) does not have a good, uh, and I've had zero desire to ever go to Germany. Okay. I think Oktoberfest sounds like fun, but you know, uh, um, and I guess given the opportunity, I wouldn't turn it down, you know, versus a hole in the head, but, um, I still have zero desire to go to Germany, but I woke up with this dream of having the, after having this dream of like. I have to get to Hamburg, Germany. Yeah. And in the dream, it had like the Dutch windmills. So it like really nothing to do, I'm assuming nothing to do with Hamburg, Germany. But yeah. I just woke up, I was like, I have to go to Hamburg, Germany. Wow. I, I know I have to. And uh, the not fun ending is I never went to Hamburg, Germany. Gotcha. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Something short-circuited <laughs> in your brain. Uh, yeah. I was going to, I mean, you wake up and you start like Expedia yeah. flights and <laughs> hotels in, in Hamburg. Um, yeah. No, I told Abigail that story on the podcast, and I had like a longer buildup, and I could see her kind of getting on the edge of her seat. Like, and then you went there, and you got the idea for Eat Local New York. Um, but no, the end of the story is just that, just that I woke up with I that woke feeling. Up, had a cigarette and my cup of coffee, and watched Dan in real life. Yeah, that was it. Start to a good day. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Have you ever had? Um, I mean, has there been anything like that with like the business or like you know, that's like you know. And you were like, you were saying earlier, like you saw the sweet on chocolate and you're like, I know I can take it to the next level. Yeah. What was it that was like, like, what were those things that you kind of identified that yeah. was like, I know I could take it? Nothing that really came to me in a, in a dream per se. <laughs> uh, but I always had this, I always have like this vision and the vision's always like evolving. Like mm-hmm. it just keeps getting, like mm-hmm. my vision 
just keeps like getting kicked down the road another year. It's like the mm. sliding scale. So mm. back in 2018, I was like, okay, I know in a year, like I want to be at this point. And then in two years, I want to be at this point, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So as time has gone on, like my vision of the shop has changed. Mm. What I want to be doing in the next year has kind of changed. Mm. Um, sometimes I don't have a plan and things just arise. Yeah, And that gives you some freedom to be mobile and go like, okay, this is a good idea. Let's go for it. Yeah. Um, but so in a way, like I can, I can be structured, but I can also be a little amorphous too, mm-hmm. which I think having that flexibility is a good thing, at least for my mental state. It's yeah. Good. yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, it had the makings for such a great chocolate shop. Mm-hmm. And I think it just needed to be brought into like the, modern age, if you Mm. will. Uh, It felt a little like grandma's parlor, Mm -hmm. um, like old time chocolate shop versus like new and fun. Mm -hmm. My saying is like, I need to get that next generation of chocolate lover in the door. Mm. And so we started targeting, um, not like super actively targeting, but doing more advertising geared towards a younger crowd. Okay, Trying to get those parents that are in their 30s yeah. To come in with their kids after they go downtown to the most mm-hmm. or to go see a show or whatever. Hmm. Because when people come in and tell me they're from another place, they always say, we had a chocolate shop back home mm. that we would go to when we were kids. So once you develop a good relationship with a place, I mean, it takes a lot to, to, break, yeah. to break that down. Hmm. So I think customers that we get in the door once or twice, they become customers for hmm. I don't want to say life but for a while for sure yeah if we're doing it right yeah that's cool yeah um so do you think is uh is sweet is this the business that you want to keep for the next 50 years and retire from or do you think that this is you know something that you're going to kind of take to a certain level and then pass on you know <clears throat> that's a great question a question I think about all the time and the answer is, I don't know. I think every day that kind of changes. Mm-hmm. I go, one day it's, you know, maybe I get this business to the point where it's doing great and I sell it and go work on the next project. Mm-hmm. But I also have a hard time letting go of things. I'm yeah. like a, you know, level two or three hoarder, maybe. <laughs> Not necessarily just physical yeah. objects, but like emotions mm-hmm. and uh ideas okay. like the dream for pickles still isn't dead like i'm yeah. still like holding on to that hmm. so <clears throat> part of me is like i don't know if i could let this place go and let someone else run it and know that like i had it and i don't have it anymore mm-hmm. um but then the other part of me is like yeah hmm. maybe maybe i could do that and go move on to the next yeah thing i don't so i don't know it's like it's one of those internal conversations that i have on a pretty regular basis yeah yeah interesting yeah Hmm. Yeah. well adam thank you so much for coming down (laughs) my pleasure uh for those of you listeners who are playing the buried acorn drinking game i apologize uh i haven't mentioned them yet during the podcast so you haven't had it been able to take a swig so uh make sure you check out buried acorn brewing company and there you go you can take your swig of beer now that's a that's a drinking game we play here man i wish i knew yeah every time i mention them you have to take a drink uh, what when do these normally air uh, every Monday. Every Monday, what time? Yeah. Uh, they get posted first thing in the morning. Okay, so we can start drinking early. Yeah, you can start drinking early. <laughs> Smart. <Yeah. laughs> 
Well, thanks, man. Everybody listening, go check out Sweet on Chocolate, downtown Syracuse, Armory Square. Yeah, thanks so much, Anthony, for this opportunity. It's really great. If you can't make it downtown, you can always check out sweetonchocolate.com. You, you can go. order uh, chocolate. We'll have it shipped right to your door. Sweet. No pun intended. Literally, yeah. yes. <laughs> Well, there it is, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the Eat Local New York podcast. Uh, really appreciate all the listeners that we have every single week. Make sure that you head down to Armory Square and visit our friend Adam over at Sweet on Chocolate. And bring your Eat Local New York card because they accept it. So you can save five bucks when you spend 25 or more. I'm also thrilled. And we'll, we'll put all the announcements out once the website goes live. But I'm thrilled we're going to be launching the Salt City Food Tours. And Adam's going to be a part of that, which is going to be just a lot, a lot of fun. So we've got a bunch of other projects coming out soon. Make sure you stay tuned to our website at eatlocalnewyork.com. We're going to announce everything. And until then, thanks so much for checking out the podcast. We're going to catch you back here next week for a brand new episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. Mm-hmm.